the film centers around Jennifer Laude, who was a trans woman in the Philippines that unfortunately was killed by a U.S. Marine. I was particularly impressed with Javadi's handling of the importance of history and how personal history intertwines with world events. Love is all that matters after all. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBT radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. Gabon outlaws same-gender sex, Australia's religious rights bill is still wrong, and a year of the queer in dance, film, books, and music. All that and more this week because you've chosen This Way Out. I'm Laura Dickinson-Turner. And I'm Wendell Jones. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending December 14, 2019. It's a big step back in Gabon while much of the world has taken two steps forward on LGBTQ rights. The West Central African nation's new penal code was just revealed this week, although it passed in July. It includes up to six months in prison and fines equivalent to about $8,500 U.S. dollars for sexual relations between people of the same sex. Even sexual relations between consenting adults in private are now criminal. Davis Macchiala of the Ghana-based Interfaith Diversity Network of West Africa told Reuters that the corrupt police now use the new law to arrest people and then people have to bribe their way out. Equality activists were hoping that the decriminalization of gay sex by India's Supreme Court late last year would have a domino effect on other former colonies, especially in Asia and Africa. Botswana decriminalized same-gender sex in June, but a Kenyan court upheld its colonial gay sex law ban in May. Forty-seven men arrested during a police raid at a hotel in the Nigerian capital of Lagos late last year were in court again on December 12th. They're all pleading innocent to charges of public show of same-sex amorous relationships with each other in hidden places. Their attorneys say it was simply a birthday party, but police claim that the men were attending a gay club's secret initiation. Zinar Mohammed of the Initiative for Equal Rights in Lagos told CNN that police detained a taxi driver delivering a birthday cake to the party. Another man who was trying to book a room at the hotel was also arrested. Mohammed said... We are handling cases of people who were arrested because they had a certain hairstyle or dressed in a way perceived to be gay, being forced to pay bribes because they are threatened with 14 years in jail if they don't pay up. She said police had paraded the men on television after the raid and that several of them became victims of homophobic attacks, were disowned by their families, lost business at shops they owned, or were fired from their jobs. According to CNN, the case of the Nigerian 47 has been postponed until February. Human Rights Watch researcher Neil Goshal told Reuters that 33 of the 54 countries on the African continent still criminalize consensual adult same-gender sex, but she noted that six African countries have repealed those laws since 2012. Goshal said, in general, across the continent, things are moving more in the right direction than in the wrong direction. I'm guessing you'll see a lot of changes in the next 10 years or so. A second draft of Australia's religious discrimination bill was unveiled on December 10th. Attorney General Christian Porter said that the measure would allow healthcare professionals to refuse, in his words, a procedure, not a person, based on their personal religious convictions. 
It would also allow religious charities, hospitals, and aged care providers to hire and fire people on religious grounds. All sides criticized the government's first draft in about 6,000 written submissions from religious, business, and LGBTQ advocacy groups. Prime Minister Scott Morrison claims that Australia is a country of respect and of tolerance. Human rights groups protest that the new draft is still a license to discriminate under the guise of religious belief. Equality Australia's Anna Brown told the Sydney Star Observer. Australians who don't hold religious views or disagree with the religious views held by others will have less protections under the law. This bill divides our communities, provides different standards for different people, and allows people with extreme views to define their own rules. Veteran activist and Just Equal spokesperson Rodney Croom warns, "It opens the floodgate to any kind of prejudice and bigotry camouflaged as religious belief." Professional medical groups are not happy either. Anthony Tassoni of Victoria's Pharmacy Guild of Australia branch told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation it may be a perceived solution looking for a problem. Our members certainly haven't been calling for it. A joint statement from Dr. Chris Moy of the Australian Medical Association and Annie Butler of the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation also expressed reservations. They said we are very concerned that employers might have increased powers or rights to discriminate on faith-based grounds. Mark Spencer of Christian Schools Australia told the Guardian that he liked the second draft. He thinks the government has listened to the concerns of faith communities and is well on the way to getting the bill right. The Morrison government has promised to introduce the religious discrimination bill in Parliament in early 2020. Public submissions will again be solicited until January 31st. We can update our report about the gay Saudi Arabian couple being indefinitely detained in an Australian refugee centre until their asylum requests are processed. The Australian Senate passed a resolution urging the expedition of the requests of the couple known as Sultan and Nasar. Queer rights groups have made the couple a national cause célèbre. The Sydney Star Observer now reports that Nasar was finally released on December 13th after two months in detention. Sultan remains in detention, however, apparently due to a clerical error. His release is imminent, and he appears to be in good spirits. Sultan said, "If you are ever going to go to jail, then it is best that you go with your boyfriend. You're a team, and it makes things much easier." Sultan was a Saudi Information Ministry official and liaison field producer working with journalists from abroad. There were rumors that he was under investigation for conspiring with foreigners to cast Saudi Arabia in a bad light. He denies that charge, but says that his relationship with Nasar may have become known to higher ups. When he and Nasar each received notices to report to the police station, they knew they had to flee. The Observer says that the couple's lawyer, Alison Battison, has paid for a hotel room for Nasar. She's been giving him a tour of Sydney to get him accustomed to freedom. Finland's new prime minister, Sanna Marin, is making history multiple times this week. At the age of 34, the Social Democrat becomes Finland's youngest ever prime minister and the youngest head of state on the planet. She'll form her new government with a coalition of five political parties, all of them led by women. And oh, by the way, Marin was raised by two working-class women in what she calls a rainbow family. She talks about feeling a sense of isolation in her youth because same-gender couples were not as accepted as they are now. But she says, "For me, people have always been equal." It's not a matter of opinion. That's the foundation of everything. The goals of Marin's coalition government include increasing public spending on infrastructure and welfare, and honoring Finland's promise to be carbon neutral by 2035.
Megan Rapinoe is Sports Illustrated 2019 Sports Person of the Year and graces the magazine's cover this week. The sometimes defiantly out U.S. Women's National Soccer Team co-captain is the fourth woman to grab that honor in the magazine's 66 years. Rapinoe tweeted, "I couldn't have done it without the fans. This award is for all of you." Long before her team won the FIFA World Cup in France earlier this year, Rapinoe vowed that she would never visit the current president as winning U.S. athletes usually do. Not shy about wanting the man she calls that maniac out of office, the superstar endorsed the presidential candidacy of Democratic Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren this week. Rapinoe says she's focusing on the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, not on any political plans of her own. Finally, the people at the venerable Merriam-Webster Dictionary have named the gender-neutral "they" their word of the year for 2019. Merriam-Webster joins the Oxford English Dictionary and Dictionary.com in recognizing "they" as a singular pronoun that may be used by non-binary people. Merriam-Webster's press release notes that English famously lacks a gender-neutral singular pronoun compared with many other languages, and that in reality, "they" has been used for this purpose for over 600 years. They cite the fact that searches for the word jumped 313 percent over the previous year. The American English Language Dictionary noted that "quid pro quo" came in second. A lot of people were in on it, and they got caught. It also comes as no surprise that the word "impeach" also made the dictionary's top 10 most looked-up words in 2019. That's News Wrap: Global Queer News with Attitude for the week ending December 14, 2019. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, produced by Brian Deshazer, recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles, and brought to you by you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out Radio YouTube channel. For This Way Out, I'm Wendell Jones, and I'm Laura Dickinson Turner. A actor's life is gay. It's great to be a celebrity. An actor's life for me. Every actor worth his salt strives to be honest and true in his betrayals on the stage or screen. Hello, this is Ian McKellen, and that's exactly what this way out does as well, right here on this station. We get so accustomed to counting down a year by its news events, we can forget to count the art breaks that maintained our sanity. While you're thinking about what kind of a year 2019 has been, enjoy this sampling of some of the queer arts and culture features you've heard on this way out, from dance to film to literature to music. My name is Sebastian Hernandez, and I'm a first-generation brown art maker, birthed in the city of Los Angeles. I formally studied two years of modern dance technique at Berkeley, but most of my knowledge of movement really just came from watching my parents dance cumbia or mimicking movement in music videos. The movement performance, Hypanthium. The word refers to the tubular structure of a flower that holds nectar. Involves a trinity: three dancers, besides Hernandez, Angel Acuna, and Autumn Silas Randolph, are in near constant motion. 
There are dramatic solo moments for each dancer, which morphs into varying one-on-one -on -one interactions between two of the three performers, and then back to the trio of dancers exhibiting connection or conflict and everything else that lies between. Despite the abstract nature of the piece, it is clearly about relationships and their essentially non-stop changeability. One could glean myriad cultural references and socio-political commentary from the piece, or just as easily be hypnotized by the swirl of form, color, movement, and sound. Hernandez's work exhibits influences as varied as danza azteca, vogue, hip-hop, and multiple modern dance techniques. Themes explored in that work combine feminist theoretical analysis, indigenous Mexican heritage, queer theory, and concepts of collectivity. Sebastian Hernandez identifies as gender non-binary. Hypanthium is a dance piece that is on a continuum, consistently evolving. I applaud the bravery of Hernandez in challenging our underlying notions of gender, sexuality, and socialization. For This Way Out, I'm John Dyer V. Director P.J. Raval has been named one of Out Magazine's Out 100. His latest film, Call Her Ganda, about the brutal murder of a trans woman in the Philippines by a U.S. Marine, premiered last year and has been screening at festivals and in theaters around the world. Briefly, walk us through the story of Call Her Ganda. The film centers around um, Jennifer Laude, who was a trans woman in the Philippines that unfortunately was killed by a U.S. Marine. Um, and the story really takes place when uh, it's discovered that local authorities cannot detain the Marine due to these visiting forces agreements between the two countries. When did you first hear about Jennifer Laude's story? How did you find yourself making the film? Yeah, so Jennifer was killed um, October 11th of 2014, um, and I happened to be in the Philippines shortly after. Um, I was fortunate enough to be invited to go to Manila to screen some of my previous documentaries, and when I got there, I discovered the story of Jennifer, um, and I happened to meet uh, attorney Virginia Suarez, which is how I got very interested in uh, the story. You cannot help this case. You cannot help the loudest if you just know things about the killing, if you just know things about the murder, because it's not a simple case of murder. The police station. Then I will have to, you know, check yeah, it one by one, one, by one against. The relationship between the U.S. and the Philippines is really a relationship between a colonizer and a colony or a neo-colony. So, so part of me wanting to make this film was also just to expose people to the Philippines and kind of the true history or one of the, you know, um, some of the history that's been overlooked and perhaps even intentionally buried, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the last person I met was Meredith. And Meredith, um, as the investigative reporter, but also someone who is trans herself, um, I kind of thought of her as um, kind of like the intellect in the head because she was someone who was really questioning things and really thinking about things from a much larger perspective than most people had. Most people had just focused on the, um, the crime itself, but Meredith was able to contextualize it and really understand the significance of it. Mm -hmm. 
The club was a frequent hangout for sex workers known as Pocahontas, a riff on pokpok, a Tagalog term for slut, which also alludes to the former colonizers who often patronized them. The most dogged of these women, those who quickly lash on to the arms of the men pouring off the ships, are usually transgender, but the foreign soldiers rarely learn that. As you, as you mentioned just now, the film is both, I think, intensely personal and of its time and place, but it's also sweeping in the questions that it brings up. It has, it, it's the story of the family's grief and the, their sense of loss, uh, Jennifer's story, it paints a picture of the daily trans life in the Philippines. There's a story of homecoming a bit in there with Meredith. But it also tackles the themes of international diplomatic relations, the echoes of colonialism, sex work, uh, and these larger themes. How did you, as a filmmaker, balance the, the personal and the political or the small and the large issues as you were putting together the... Yeah, it's a lot, right? <laughs> I think, I mean, I think um, the way you balance it is you treat it all equally because it is all equal. Um, and 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 in a sense, like that truly is embracing it from all the perspectives that it really needs to be embraced by. Um, I think early on, I felt pressured from other people to make a true crime drama, for instance. Um, and I said, well, if you if you do make some kind of true crime, like you you know you might be overlooking other things here that are really important um and and for me the film really isn't about the crime itself for me it's about the environment of how a crime like this comes to be and also what is the accountability for it and what is the prevention of stopping something like this uh so if we are looking at something that's kind of about um you know something that's more about structural inequality, for instance, you have to look at the bigger picture and you have to understand not only the bigger picture, but how that affects people in their daily lives. Um, so you can't really look at one without looking at the other. Um, and I do think we're living in a time now where people are finally understanding how things intersect, right? And, and even using the term intersectionality. So just the idea of like how race affects class and how that affects, you know, um, how that's complicated by gender and complicated by nationality, all these things. So it's, it's not so simple to just look at one thing. You kind of have to look at all of them simultaneously because they all affect each other. There's a lack of justice in many trans people's lives. If members of our community are killed every day, then there is no justice in the world. Documentary director PJ Raval. His film, Call Her Ganda. And you can find more information on the film and a schedule of upcoming screenings at callherganda.com. For This Way Out, I'm Christopher Gall. You're listening to highlights from some of 2019's cultural features on This Way Out. This Way Out. This Way Out. The international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities. How dare they? And those who love them. This is Janet Mason. Disoriental by Nagar Javadi. This is a story of a young girl who grows up in a revolutionary Iran and goes through the Iranian Revolution with an inside view provided to her by her revolutionary father.
This novel was, was written with a protagonist who lived in Iran with her family, who later were all forced into exile, was for me filled with aha moments. That the narrator identifies as a lesbian, one could legitimately argue, is a sublayer of the book. But looking through the same prism through a different angle, one could argue that the narrator's sexuality is critical. Being a lesbian from an extremely homophobic culture gave the narrator an extra layer of courage to tell this important story. I was particularly impressed with Javadi's handling of the importance of history and how personal history intertwines with world events. The writing of this novel caused her to reflect on the human rights violations in her native land. In Iran, homosexuality is considered a supreme violation of God's will and is a crime punishable by death. Women, as well as men, sometimes only teenagers, are blindfolded and hanged from cranes in public. I was riveted by Disoriental, and turning its pages, I ponder the mysterious forces of hate and existence and the importance of familial bonds. In particular, the book raises the bonds between fathers and daughters. Ultimately, I found it to be not only a good read, but a work of literature that brought me to reflect more keenly on my own life. This is Janet Mason with commentary on queer life and literature for This Way Out. Hi, I'm Brian DeShazer, and this is This Way Out, and I'm with American country music singer Ty Herndon. So let's talk about your music first of all, and we'll get into the LGBT flavor of it. Sure. Um, but you began in 1995 with your first album, and yeah. uh, so you've been around for a while. Yes, I have. You know, I started out in bluegrass gospel and uh, Christian music, and of course country. You know, country was always on the jukebox at my house, so it's, it's, it's interesting the influences that have uh, become a bit of the house that built me over the years. Let's take a moment to listen to Ty sing. This is the track, So Small, from his new album, Got It Covered. The music video features the LGBTQ youth of the Rainbow Squad, a Nashville-based group based around providing a safe space and community resources for trans and gay kids. Shut the world out and just be left alone, but don't run out on your face. Sometimes that mountain you've been climbing is just a grain of sand. Tonight, the concert at the Greek Theater. Yes. Um, what are you going to be singing? I am. Uh, I, I believe that I'm opening the show um, with uh, with the LGBTQ version of my first number one hit, "What Mattered Most." I wanted to give it a 25th birthday present, and so I like 
the best birthday present I can give this song is the is extreme authenticity. And so I changed the pronouns in the song. But for this particular song, I remember 25 years ago standing in the studio, uh, being very closeted and, and, and being in a relationship with a man for, you know, we'd been in a relationship for nine years and then having to hide him, you know. And I remember standing in the studio recording this song. I think it says her and she in it something like 36 times. It's it's a lot, you know, and just thinking, closing my eyes, I thought of two things. I thought of him and I thought of my mom and dad. Um, who really struggled over the years to stay together. Um, I was standing in the studio. My producer and I we recorded a, a really gorgeous track for the song. I didn't think it would. I did not think it would affect me that much, to be honest with you. Mm. I didn't think that it would affect me to my core standing in that studio. But I went all the way back to standing in that studio in Nashville, recording this song for the first time, and I got halfway through the first chorus, and I just freaking lost it i mean into heavy sobs that my producer cleared the studio and just gave me that moment it was such a gift and i love that you're friends with 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 people producers people you work with and they respect the fact that they knew exactly what was going on i needed that moment you know 15 minutes later i i um kind of got centered and did some breathing exercises and was grateful for the fact that there was some there was still some stuff in me that needed to come out I thought I knew the boy so well If he was sad I could not tell I missed the point and I missed the signs If he's gone the fault is mine don't think you're alone and I also say this as well but there's an element of trust that goes along with it because you really want to make sure that you surround yourself with people that support you and so build your army around you of amazing people that support you and you've got a backup and so wherever you are out there and you're listening today just build your army man build your build your soulful beautiful heart filled army that will catch you when you fall Ty Herndon, it's been such a pleasure meeting you, and we're going <laughs> to uh, leave listening to your song, What Mattered Most. I'm Brian Chaser for This Way Out. The next thing you'll hear. 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 LGBT activists inside Russia are actually telling me that it was better during Soviet times and it was under Vladimir Putin. The next thing you hear on the next This Way Out will be Belgian political scientist and LGBTQ activist Remy Boney. In Georgia, I was just walking on the streets. My colleagues, also some international people were telling me, this guy, I think he's trying to film us and I think he, I've seen him already a few times. And then you need to start thinking that this is not just some homophobic idiots. For the next thing you'll hear about the future of This Way Out, go to thiswayout.org. That'll be the next thing you hear.
Thanks for tuning in to This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Laura Dickinson-Turner and Wenzel Jones, produced by Brian DeShazer, and from John Dye V, Christopher Gall, Janet Mason, and Brian DeShazer. Ty Herndon performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, the estate of Christopher David Trentum, John Beaupre, Richard Merck, and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley, and all the listener donors who make this program possible. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email TWORadio at AOL.com, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on WTNDLP, Maycomb, Illinois, KHENLP, Salida, Colorado, 4BI, Fortitude Valley, Queensland, and a wide array of community radio stations and other outlets around the world, including this one. I'm guilty! I'm guilty! Stay tuned! This is WJFF Jeffersonville on W233AH Monticello. You were just listening to This Way Out. Support for that was brought to you by our listeners. The time now is 358. The temperature in the WJFF listening area is 27 degrees with fair skies. Tonight we have increasing clouds with a low of 8. Tomorrow, Saturday during the day, we have partly sunny skies, a high of 29. And Saturday night, mostly clear skies with a low of 17. On Sunday during the day, we have sunny skies, a high of 41, and Sunday night, mostly clear skies with a low of 26. On Monday during the day, sunny skies again with a high of 45, balmy, and Monday night, mostly clear skies with a low of 27. And on Tuesday during the day, partly sunny skies, a high of 42, and Tuesday night, mostly cloudy skies with a low of 28. Up next, we have All Things Considered, and then at 6, we're going over to Fresh Air with Terry Gross. But now, All Things Considered. Support comes from Liza Phillips Design, sustainably sourced natural fiber rugs for floors and stairs. Designed in Narrowsburg, handmade in Nepal. By appointment and on the web at lizaphillipsdesign.com. Support comes from listeners and from Nature's Grace Health Foods and Deli on Main Street in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Strengthening lives through...